0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Wyatt Russell from being a part of Hollywood royalty to playing Captain America. Hey guys, I'm Josh Harowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused been covering this show a lot, and it's a worthy one, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Of course, I love all things MCU, and this series has been a treat to watch unfold. Um, we had Emily Van Camp on Happy, Sad, Confused a couple weeks back. I had Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie on Stir Crazy just the other week, and now pleased that this has given me opportunity an opportunity to get to know Wyatt Russell for the first time on Happy, Sad, Confused. Um, of course, Wyatt is the son of Hollywood royalty. Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, it doesn't get any cooler, better than that. Um, we, of course, talk a little bit about that. And, you know, it's, that's, a, that's quite a, a mantle to live up to as a young actor. Um, and Wyatt certainly was aware of that growing up, not pursuing acting in his early years, instead going in a different direction, really pursuing hockey and being a great hockey player by all accounts. And unfortunately, his career was cut short. Um, in recent years, he's turned to acting and has found success. Um, you know, some some up and up and downs in the early years, but now, really, seemingly. Um, Finding a Groove with Lodge 49, which was his show on AMC for a couple seasons. He started Overlord a couple years back. He was in Everybody Wants Some, directed by Richard Linklater. And as I said now, this is a big opportunity for him and exciting uh, for fans of Wyatt like myself to see him in this context playing the new Captain America we don't know if we like him yet, I don't know, some people have said he's, he's got a punchable face in that, in that costume. We kind of joke about how he looks in the costume in this conversation. Um, but Wyatt's got a, a great attitude about um, his career, about his kind of place in the universe, he's fully aware of the baggage, good and bad, he's had growing up um, the son of these megawatt um, movie stars um and i really enjoyed getting to know him in this chat uh briefly uh chatted with him years ago for 22 jump street and then a couple years back i saw him when they first announced falcon and the winter soldier at d23 that big like disney expo they do every few years um but yeah like i said this was a good excuse to get to know him a bit he's a new dad and um you know you won't be able to see it obviously because this is just a podcast but um he was really pulling double duty on this. His wife was was at the place too, but it's just them. They don't have like help with their new their newborn, so he was scrambling a bit to keep the baby happy and fed <laughs> and his wife was, and it was very sweet to watch him in new dad mode and i I appreciate Wyatt um, balancing it all for forty five minutes to uh, to chat with me uh, on this silly show. Even as he had to, you know, negotiate being a good dad, which he clearly is, and he's clearly very happy. So happy for Wyatt and happy for his career and his personal life. Um, also, should mention we do uh, dip into the comfort movies discussion as always. He decided on a John Hughes movie. He went planes, trains, and automobiles. Surprisingly, our first John Hughes entry on Happy, Stay, Confused for the comfort movie category, uh, you'll learn why Wyatt really loves this one. And um, I I don't know, I always find it very illuminating what the uh, actors and filmmakers choose as their comfort films. So uh, I think you guys will enjoy this chat. Um, Other things to mention, let's see. Oh, there's a cool new interview I've got coming up on MTV News I conducted with Millie Bobby Brown um, talking about... You know Godzilla versus Kong, but really, th- that's just the tip of the iceberg. This is a, a bit of an in-depth discussion uh, about her, again, fascinating circumstances in her young life. She's just seventeen, but in the last five, six years since bursting on the scene in Stranger Things, um, you know, was she like one of the top like hundred most famous people in the world? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> She's got a bizarre existence, and that's a tough road to to handle for anybody, let alone somebody going through their teen years, yet um, I think Millie's doing really great with it, and I'm really excited that she's both making cool new work inside Stranger Things and outside of Stranger Things. She had that big success with the Noah Holmes. She's got a couple, more than a couple, a bunch of projects cooking as a producer and as a star, and more importantly, um, you know, seems to understand, you know, the challenges, but also understands, like, you know, she wants to be a teenager. She wants to just be a normal kid, and um, and I, I hope we can all give her space to, to do that and to live her life and not, you know, drive these young stars insane with the expectations, the unrealistic expectations we put on them. We should let them let them uh, screw up a little bit in front of us and make bad choices like we all did um, it's uh, I can only imagine what it's like to be someone like Millie Bobby Brown at that very pivotal age in this crazy time of social media but anyway that conversation on NTV news that's dropping any day now and I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with Millie as I always do so look out for that one um, not much else to say those are the those are the big things I hope you guys are having a good you know, Passover or Easter, whatever you're celebrating now. I had the opportunity to get together with some of my family that I haven't seen in a while thanks to <clears throat> you know the fact that my mom's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Uh, you know this is this is a nice time that we're starting to open up our worlds a little bit um, and come back to some semblance of normalcy. We're not not there yet. I'm not running into movie theaters quite yet, but um, that time is also coming soon, and maybe some travel, you know, I'm, I'm eyeing all of the quote-unquote normal things, and um, anxious and hopeful that we're all going to be able to get there very soon. So, anyway, on that optimistic note, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Wyatt Russell. Uh, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy Second, Fused, spread the good word, and enjoy me and Wyatt, and, and cut him some slack as he tries to negotiate, um, taking care of a baby, and a baby... Host, like me, two babies for the price of one. Poor Wyatt. Um, enjoy this challenge. How's it going? I, it's going all right, man. I, I appreciate taking the time, especially given, um, yeah, life that must be a little bit different these last few months for you. Congratulations, man.
1: Hey, thank you so much. And yeah, it's like it's uh, it's incredible in every way, and also like you know impossible. I yeah at the is, same time so you've yeah. summed
0: up parenthood in in a, in 20 seconds right there. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um you know this is uh congratulations on the new show. Uh we 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 haven't talked much. I doubt you would remember but I I think I talked to you for 22 Jump Street of all things way back when. Oh uh, wow. And uh so it's kind of a trip to talk to you now as kind of things are are, are really you know, I've obviously been following your career a lot in the last few years and it's exciting to see you get all these cool new opportunities. Um, I'm curious, talk to me a little bit about where Falcon and Winter Soldier began for you because I remember I saw you guys, I saw you and Emily actually at D23, like a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, and You guys even shot anything then? Like what, what was that experience
1: just dead? No, we didn't try to, well, it, it all started at our interview on 22 jump street that's where (laughs) where it it all began um we uh we didn't we we hadn't shot anything i barely knew what the character was what it was going to be they they don't tell you anything you know so i went to that to that exposition or or, 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 i don't know what do you even call that what do you call it a convention (laughs) i don't know whatever it is and uh they were kind of just like, "It'd be really nice if you could come we'll introduce your character." I knew the name of it. I had like researched online to the extent of what Wikipedia. You had the Wikipedia is. entry, basically. Yeah, that's literally what I had, and and uh, and also, if anybody who doesn't follow Marvel can follow the Wikipedia version of the, it's like impossible. I was like, "Wait, what?" Like, he's in like nineteen different worlds, and nothing makes sense. There, it's all it's all like presupposes that you know what's happening in the marvel universe even when you try and research the character on on wikipedia so yeah it was truly
0: you have like that chart you're like you're like the detectives in seven and just like you're like you have string on a board connecting all the dots (laughs) yeah
1: and and none of them make sense even when you're connecting the right dots yeah so it's it was ultimately very confusing so i didn't uh, that uh, the the ten minutes I spent googling it was more than enough. I was like, well, I'm gonna get a script, and it's gonna be in there too. So I'll just wait. Um, that's pretty much what I had at, at that Disney thing where I went out and waved everybody and pretended like I knew what I was doing.
0: <laughs> you did you did a good <laughs> job. Well, you could just you could just you also just say like, I, I, sorry, I can't say anything, as opposed to I don't know yeah. anything right now. Um, right, exactly. How much how much of the last few years? I mean, like invariably the last 10 years of my conversations with actors has been like 40% has been about, so what's the comic book movie you're doing? What's the comic book TV show you're doing? Like, how have you done a ton of these kind of like auditions for comic book properties prior to getting this one?
1: I didn't. I always stayed away from it because I didn't it wasn't something I liked doing. Also, if you're gonna do comic book movies, you want to do them with the best companies. Uh marvel is the best <laughs> so you get these ones where it was like you know kind of like in my opinion they were like you know there's like kind of shitty characters It just didn't like it just didn't like them they they were like they're doing comic books for the sake of doing comic books because it was known to be something that could make money and right. you'd you know what i mean and this was something that i kind of to be honest, in the beginning felt a little bit the same because it was like, oh, okay, now they're just moving it to a different platform. And, what, and then but then they were like, oh, no, it's, it's not that. We're not just like trying to crank out a money-making machine, although it is. Or we're not just trying to do that. We're trying to create the, the same quality on, that we have in movies in TV. right? And what was cool about that was uh, all the same people, all the same creatives were working on it. So the movies is the people you're working with, in my opinion. That's like, that's it. You can get, get, do something with an iPhone. You do it with Steven Spielberg and like Roger Deakins. It's probably going to look pretty cool. Totally. You know? And so the same goes for this kind of stuff. It's like you have the, you ha- you have all the stunt teams, you have all the actors, you have all the, the, the directors and the producing creatives and the, everybody. So I knew that it's going to be as good as Marvel can do it. And if you're gonna take your bet, you do it with Marvel. And you know, I think, I think, I haven't seen, I haven't seen all the episodes. I've only seen one, uh, the beginning of one, and I. But but you can tell it's like, yeah, it's all there. You don't want to get on set and realize, like, wait, looking at your costume, like, oh, they they ran out of money. I have the underoos. <laughs> yeah, Captain America. Right? <laughs> that is not what you want. That is really not what you want. More than that, for me, it was like the stunt things, like. You don't want to get oh, to yeah. set and be no, like, no. "Oh, you didn't get the that the, the the okay." Like that's kind of gonna not but no. The that everything was you know a grade. Is it true though? In
0: reading up on on you, did you way back when was like your first audition for the first Captain
1: America? It was like a first audition. I, I had gotten I'd gotten done playing hockey. I went out on an on audition. It wasn't, in my opinion, I don't think it was an audition that was like okay, we're auditioning you to actually make the move to, do you know what I mean? To like do the movie. We're auditioning you to see if you're any good or not. Got it. At the, at acting. And I, and it was an audition for Captain America. I'm sure they had already figured out that they wanted, oh, fuck, my baby's crying. Hold on. I okay, go. go for
0: it. For those listening, Wyatt is now doing double duty as dad of the year.
1: <laughs> oh, that's not Wyatt. That's his child, just for the record. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry but my no. wife's in the shower and i don't want to blow the interview
0: this is this is a first for it happy second fused. i've done i've had, gone through a lot of iterations of this podcast but this is an exclusive thank you <laughs> <laughs> and now technically i was just going to say i've had your dad on the podcast now technically oh, cool. I've, had, I've had three generations of your family on the podcast now thanks to oh what baby.
1: was the oh yeah right 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 i'll just say did you interview my grandfather and i'm like i oh, know i'm holding my child <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were talking about uh oh yeah your initial somewhat kind of sort of audition for the original cap. So you feel like they were just kind of seeing if you had chops. And- yeah, I
1: think that it was more like can this guy act as he is he like is he good at all? Should I bring him back on other stuff? Is sort so of do, what it was. In your own mind, how did you do on that initial one? I think I was okay. I mean, honestly, what I it was, I literally just got done playing hockey 10 days ago, or maybe like, maybe, maybe th- three weeks ago. That's and cool. I had gone to Egypt with my friend, with my hockey friends and Sharm El Sheikh. And I had contacted my agent who had contacted me maybe a year before he'd seen me in a movie that I did for a friend, uh, for a friend as a favor. Right. And, and it was like, there's that guy a representation type thing. It was this movie called High School like no but I'm a hockey player and maybe I'll do commercials well we don't really do commercials and I was like okay well I'm I'm done this is my life this is not what I do but thanks for the interest right a year later I call him and I'm like I'm hurt I have you know I don't know what I'm gonna do does that offer still stand and he's like yeah basically here you, you know you go and you can read for people uh, they're gonna be interested in if you're any good or not and you know, no one knows. Except so I had a couple things that I had done that I had I could put a reel together just right. for fun for friends that were like you know semi professional things where they'd shot on a camera that looked good. And like I got to play like this doubting Tom, a da- version of modern day doubting Thomas, which was kind of funny and like kind of worked. And I was it was like fun to do. And so I got to put a couple things together to show casting directors before I walked in the door. And. uh, so she, she had seen some stuff and said, yeah, bring him in. He might be right. Who knows? And for me, it was like, okay, I just come from live pro sports. It's a very different feeling than walking into an audition room with, like, one person where, where you got, like, two or three chances to get it right. And I just didn't feel the, the pressure of which I would come to feel later on. But that first one when you're like, I don't know to sit here and read the lines. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You had nothing to um, lose. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was like, and that's the way I think that all that has always worked to my benefit. Knowing that when I was playing hockey, like I used to get really crazy nervous, you know, like fucking super nervous puking. And because I wanted, I wanted it so bad, you know, like I wanted it so fucking bad to to, to be a hockey player. It was my identity and I wrapped up in it. So, when I didn't have him, I'm doing an interview with him. He was crying, so I went and got him. Oh my God. <laughs> this is Josh. Josh, this is Meredith. Hi, Josh. Hi. Hey, how's it this going? This is a podcast. You want to take him? To take him? I'm yeah. sorry. I tried to put him no, down. No, no, no. It's fine. I didn't but know But then had I this. got him. I know. I kind of forgot as well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I totally, like, in the midst of the insanity. All good, man. Thanks, thanks man. um
0: So, we uh, <laughs> I'm curious, as you got, so. I understand so, that sorry. early days of like, of kind of that 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 freedom that you feel. But then when you start to get invested in acting, now do you get more nervous as the years go by? Do you like put? Yeah, more, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, that was that was what I learned playing sports was. Oh, don't you can't want anything too bad. You just can't. You get you got to go in and you got to give it the best. Because <laughs> you can hear the baby cry. <laughs> Um, you gotta do the best that you can, but you can't like your life simultaneously has to depend on it. Yeah. But also it has to not matter at all. You know, like you have to see the bigger picture always. And it was always difficult for me to see the bigger picture with hockey because my identity was so wrapped up in it. It was like, well, if I'm not this then what am I, you know, and I'm just like these people's son, you know, that was sort of how it always played out for me. Um, and, and once I had sort of conquered that in hockey, I played professional hockey, I got to a point where I'm like, oh no, you just work your hardest for you. It doesn't, you don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You do the best that you can. But if if I'm waking up every day and going like, no, I, I know where my sixth gear is because i found it. And, uh, and that's, that's how I am going to get to where I want to go in my life. Then when I transitioned to film and TV, I did it where it was like, well, I'm not doing this for you. Like, I'm not doing this for anybody else but me now. Like, I don't give a fuck what a casting director thinks. I don't care what, I'm just going to do it for me. If you like it, then you're gonna like it. If you don't like it, then you're not gonna like it. But I'm not gonna live in this world anymore of, you know, oh please, can I, I hope that, you know, do you enjoy the things that I'm bringing you? It, it's like, the, 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 that, that day was over. And it's like, that's very hard for people to get to and there's a lot of people even when it was said to me when I, when I was playing hockey they'd give me that advice and be like don't worry about it so much but like, oh, it's easy for you to say right it's like well dude if you don't get there i'm sorry i can't i can't help you but you're going to live a very long difficult road if that, if you're going to continue to feel that way and so finally once i got over that it was like you know my my my, my difficulty came when i got shit right off the bat it was like you know a few things, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, got it easy. This is over. I'm fucking. this is awesome. It's so easy. And then a year and a half went by and it was like a desert. There was nothing. It was like Horrible. This is, this is after after the aforementioned Jump Street. So you have a couple rolls out right off the bat. No, no, no. This is before Jump Street. Before Jump Street. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. This is before Jump Street. So I'd gotten like cowboys was an alien, right? And I got like a Law and Order, and I got like these things that you get. You know, like
0: <laughs> everybody knows once they, you get one Law and Order, you're all set. One Law and Order,
1: you're fucking made. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why isn't this working for me? Law and Order is the biggest show in the history of television. Uh, <laughs> Dick Wolf should put me in everything. <laughs> um, I I no, it wasn't like that. It was just that, like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get jobs, yeah, right? I'm on the like, path. People yeah. like what I'm yeah. doing. I guess I, I I I I have no idea what I'm doing that they like, but I'm getting the job, so that's good. And uh, try to keep getting the jobs, and and so I I went a, yeah, I guess it must have been a year and a half before I met this director named jim Mickle, and as i was going into that i was i was like i was realizing i had fallen back into the into a a rut of trying to now be something for somebody because you get affected by the business that everybody's that you start listening to everybody's advice you start listening to all the other poisonous shit that enters your mind and you know you you want to be you. You want to do great things. You want to make great art. You start to realize what kind of artist maybe you want to be, whether that you consider yourself an artist or not. You you you, you start to run these 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 things over and over in your mind, and they start to infiltrate your mind in a negative way, in my opinion. When you think about it too much, and I was, and so at the end of the day, uh, what what I did was after this year and a half, Jim had come with a script that people were like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like this family who's of cannibals. And I was like, I read it. I love it. I think that I watched this movie Stakeland he did for like a hundred grand. Dude's unbelievable what he can do. Like he's going to make a good movie. I was like, okay. So I went in and I just told Jim the truth because I was right about at the time where I wouldn't say I was going to quit, but I'd say I got six months in me. You know, yeah, yeah. after two years of not getting anything, it's like, dude, I I want to see the writing on the wall before other people do. And, uh, and I was getting to that point where I was like, I, I think I'm good. I just don't think that what I'm doing lends itself to an audition process at all. And, and so I, I decided to tell Jim the truth, which was like, I, I, I think I'm a good, I think I'm a good enough actor. I don't think I'm a fucking genius, but I think I'm, I think I'm all right. And, I think I'm terrible at auditioning for some reason. I think something about me or something is terrible. I used to get to know, like, I don't know, it's kind of boring. And I'm like, you know, I'd be like, the fucking script's boring. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I, it's kind of boring. I, you know, I'm just reading it like a normal. I'm very, na- I want to be natural and normal. Right. I I, and an audition process is really difficult for the producers and, and creatives because you're watching people trick you into believing and feeling something without anything. You're acting in a phone booth. So you need to be able to see through people who make you feel something so cool, but then they get on set with the costume and the clothes and all of a sudden it's like, double. And you're like, well, now, you, and now it's like a hat and a hat. It's not that good. And <clears throat> I always thought I wanna take the road, like sort of the low road and, and be normal and natural and real. But in order to do that, you need to be able to interact with people in a real way. And sometimes when you're at casting director's office, not the not usually the good ones or the great ones, in my opinion, you get a lot of people who are in, interviewing a lot of people. Yeah. And they're tired. You need to stand out. It needs to be the big one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: and like you got someone reading with you on the other side and they're not you know, looking up and they're just reading off the page. And it's like, well, how am I, I've, now you're just asking me to do a preconceived version of what I've been living with for a week and a half in my head, which is weird and horrible. There's no, been no interaction with anybody. And, I, and I, it's a test. It's a horrible way of knowing if someone's any good or not. But you have to do it. And, you know, you under, I, I, I get that. Jim, I basically had this conversation with Jim and he was like, I totally know what you mean. Like, I totally agree. And he was like, how would you want to do an audition? I was like, well, I, well, if it were me, I would shoot it like I was shooting the scene so that I can see someone's nuances and how they were and do the nuances work. And I showed up the next day. He, I left. He's like, I hope you can act because I, 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 I like you as a person and and he had his camera and he had uh it was with riley keogh and she's an unbelievable actress and you know so that was part of it too it's like you know you, you get i got the benefit of that yeah and we were doing the scene it was like shooting the scene but it was in an office but he had different angles he had a reverse and he had he wanted to cut it together to see what they looked like in the movie, not like in this weird version of a of a test that like isn't ever gonna even come close to what you're looking at in the movie. And she was so great and he was so great and it was like it worked. And I, you know, we got I got the part and that movie and that experience changed my life in terms of how I looked at making movies, who I wanted to make movies with, how I wanted to make movies. Because they're the way they did it is like that's how everybody should make a movie. It's
0: it's so, it's so funny the way you put that. And I'm gonna think of that in my further conversations about auditions going forward because it's like yeah, it's like testing a different skill set. It's like 100. It's, it's 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 related, sure, but it's not acting. <laughs> it's it's like right. it's not acting. Issue. You could you could give a gold medal in auditions, but the best actor <laughs> yeah. is not the best actor.
1: A hundred percent. It's really hard to, to, it's hard to disseminate, you know, between the two. It's, it's it's difficult because, you know, that person made me feel something, but it's like, but that person feels real. So is that person going to be boring? And, you know, it's really hard. It's a really hard process to judge that off of.
0: So so, so take me back a little bit. So growing up, you know, I know of the, the hockey obsession. I'm just curious, like your, Um, appreciation and love of film where we all grow up loving movies and pop culture. Obviously you're growing up with two ginormous um, acting, you know, legends in the house. Um, I assume you're on some sets growing up. I mean, what did, did that change knowing how the sausage was made, seeing sort of two actors talk about just their life in that business? Did that change your appreciation of film or do you love and appreciate film just
1: as John Q public? There's sort of, two different things so the appreciation and love of film didn't come from being on the movie set um that actually for me came much later in my life um the appreciate the the understanding of what life on a movie set was like was obviously sort of ingrained in us as that's what life sort of was right it's just a workplace it's a very fun workplace it's a circus it was much more of a circus atmosphere in the in the eighties and nineties than it is now. It's very corporate and professional now, right. in in ways that it probably wasn't back then. Good and bad, in my opinion. Um, and and what it was was I, I remember it's the same kind of thing where I, I went I went to a Washington Capitals camp when I was seventeen, and I remember seeing Chris Bork, who's Ray Bork's son and Ray Bork's obviously one of the best defensemen to ever play the, the game. And he Chris Bork, he was he was short, he was not big. <clears throat> he wasn't like what you'd look at and just go, "Oh, a hockey player." And but the way he carried himself in the locker room was one of I I belong here, not because I'm I'm elitist or I'm, I'm delusional and my dad was Ray Bork and all that. But just, I grew up in this locker room. I, right. I, it's, I know everything is. I walk around like I've been here a million times because I have. Nothing bothers me. And so for me, it was a bit, it's a bit like that, where when I got onto a, a set, it was like, oh no, like but this is very comfortable for me because I've been here my whole, I have been here my whole life. I've grew up on sets. So, the cameras and the, and the action that would could be very daunting for someone who was not hadn't ever experienced that before uh, but it just wasn't like that for me. Because yeah. It was like, "Oh, yeah, like I know exactly what this stuff is." So it was just that was that was a benefit I, I had for sure in going into this business for sure. you're just not it's just in your senses. you already've already experienced it the love of movies because when you're making a movie, it's so difficult to, uh, especially when you're a kid and you're just around it, you're just seeing the machine work. You're not really, you know, watching people like love movies. You're mostly seeing people complain about the movie that (laughs) they're on and, 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 Later on, everyone's like, it's such a great film. Like, I knew it was gonna be fucking great. Like, I well, you did and You thought it was gonna be shitty when you were there. Was there <laughs> it was a job news. and you
0: were trying to get home. Yeah, I it was a, yeah <laughs>
1: exactly. It was late and you were pissed off that they didn't have the, a vegan option at the crap service table and you wanted to walk off set. I remember, you know,
0: but, but we but, were a family. We loved it. Oh, so. yeah, exactly. Everybody's
1: <laughs> a, it was such a family. Like, oh my god, the amount of fucking times I've heard that when I'm like, you're such a liar. Um, sometimes it's true. But, but the, the, the love of film came when I got hurt playing hockey and realized that I might not do this for the rest of my life. Like, this might, not, this might end. So I need to figure out what else do I love. And I'd always rejected it because it was like, a, I don't want to do this. It's not who I am. I'm this other person and I'm making my life in this thing. I'm not an actor or I'm not even in this family. I am a, I'm a hockey player and I do something different once I realized like, well, that's stupid, that's just sort of like you being rebellious and trying to make your own way. I really do love movies. I love, love movies. So what I did was I joined like a USC summer film program, uh, at, uh, like, I think it was like, you know, three months and we made four short films, silent short films. And it was like a class and I met, and I was with people who I'd never normally been with, like people who were English majors. No one played sports. It was I was the only athlete in there. And I had the greatest time making movies. And in this class, I really did bring out in me this idea that, no, I I do love doing this. It was a directing course. But you kind of did everything, you know, helped other people with their projects and and that kind of thing. And I really did love doing the stuff. Like I loved it. Like I loved making the movie. And, and then when I got out of that, I I realized, Oh no, you know, I really do like this a lot. So I think that what I'll do is I'll act because I know I can do that right away. Like I like directing is something or writing it's, it's a long process to get to that point. And I was just out of playing hockey and I was like, I don't want to struggle another 10 years beating my head against a brick wall, trying to get like a movie made. I just want to go make money right now. Like I just want to go make money and have fun because I came from like, it was a, at the end of my hockey career. it was just like, you're beating your head against a brick wall in like some weird European country getting hurt. And I wanted to do something I was going to have fun doing. Right and uh and that's that and that's where that's where it went it was just like okay let's go let's go figure out something that you're going to enjoy of course all the same shit you come across on the way but it was just a little easier to deal with because i would already kind of done it
0: what about the your dad and mom and your dad for for dudes of a certain age including myself your dad stands as like this avatar like he like there are a handful of roles yeah. he played you know growing up Jack Burns Snake Plissken like these are these are like I literally at my office have a big trouble in little china you know poster hanging over my desk. Yeah. Um do those roles hold different or same meaning for you or is it hard to enjoy the thing and escape from the ordinary? Yeah.
1: They probably are different for, they probably hold different meaning than other people. I like I love those movies. But w- but what I love about them is I love that, my, that what it was, was my dad doing things that he loved to do. He did not do them because they were going to be hits. They weren't hits. Big yeah. Trouble in Old China was a bomb. The thing was a bomb. They they weren't hits, but what they were, were creatively super interesting worlds, which he wanted to be a part of bringing to to life. That, that was exciting for him and it was fun for him. And it was challenging, and it was critical thinking, problem solving type things for him. He never did things just because. Yeah. And that was one of the things. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from from his career and my mom's career, both of them. Is like they didn't do things just because they did things because they saw potential in them to be good. Right. And what makes him this sort of like, and, and I love seeing it because it's this. You know, my dad's a very humble person. Uh, when it comes to, I mean, he's humble and he's not, but in <laughs> in different ways that you you you'd know he's 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 the the greatest guy in the world. He's totally like my hero. He's he's all that stuff, right? But the movie aspect, it's fun just to see my. I laugh my. He's, I think he's fucking hilarious. And Use cars is probably my favorite movie. Great one yep. of his. Yep. That that him and Bob Zemeckis together. That that like t- type of comedy and type of of storytelling and just whatever that mix was for me was that was that was my favorite
0: and then Zemeckis with your mom when death becomes
1: her another one one of my favorites yeah another amazing another great movie again a movie that had some interesting really interesting stuff to it that hadn't before been you know the hole in the stomach and all that there was just interesting things that hadn't you hadn't seen a lot of and that was what um for both of them that I think holds up and why people are still interested in watching the thing or why they're still interested in big trouble in China. Cause it wasn't some, you know, it it wasn't some money grab, <laughs> you know, none, none of them were. And, and they're always interesting and, and they always worked so hard on them. My dad, I remember, um, doing tombstone probably five or six and, uh, he would come home every night and now everybody knows that like, you know, he basically directed, directed the movie. That, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, he would come home and I remember he'd put me to like, you know, he's got me too. I was, I was like, maybe I was like, yeah, I was like six years old. And so I'd sleep on this like couch in this like area of the hotel or we staying at like a motel in some near what, Tucson or wherever. And, uh, and then he would, I'd go to bed, but I, I'd, you know, be up looking at him. And he was at the table in the room. This was back in the days when you could smoke cigarettes in hotel, hotel rooms. And he'd be smoking cigarettes at the, hotel, at the table going, writing. This is, this is at like three in the morning after they just finished. And he's got to go back to work the next day at like three in the afternoon. So he's going to stay up and write for another two hours. Go to bed at five. So that was, that. that's, that's who my dad is. that's why you like kurt russell movies he cares because yeah he cares (laughs) and that's what that's the thing that i think now um that's what i try to do you know i i if if i see something that i feel like i can help and not just to do it to say it or just to be annoying or just to be a contrarian if i can help then I'll, i'll i'll offer it and and it's because I want it to be good and I want it to be interesting. And if that that works that way, then it's gonna be a better project or a better movie. And that's what that's that's the love of film that I got was sort of through that osmosis by things like that.
0: So, so when I asked you for a comfort movie, you didn't go Freudian and go to used cars or, or death becomes or one of your parents' films. You went to another uh, all-time classic. Maybe I think it's the first John Hughes film, surprisingly that someone has selected for a comfort movie. Um, oh really? Yeah, I know kind of shocked. I mean, Ferris Bueller would definitely be one of mine off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, Right. Um, but yours is different. Tell us your comfort movie and, and why you chose it. Planes, Trains
1: and Automobiles is my comfort movie. It's, it's, the comfort movie has like has to check some boxes, I think, right? Like it's got to, every time it's on, you gotta pretty much like do that Exupt thing it where you are like, yeah. oh I'm watch I've been watching this for 45 minutes. I didn't even plan on watch <laughs> on I planned on flipping by it because I've seen it fifteen times. Yes, the space that times. continuum
0: collapses when you're watching it. Your yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And
1: everything <laughs> folds into the <laughs> into the fray while I'm sitting on my couch. That that movie to me, also my wife, I was, we were talking about it with my, I was talking about my wife. I'm like, oh, because there are a lot, you know, used cars is definitely one of them. But it was like, what's a, re- that's not a comfort movie, though. That's just, that's just the, what, and she was like, well, we love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And I was like, oh my God, totally. You're right. And we have that. She's John Candy. I'm Steve Martin. <laughs> like in our relationship, we've, we've, she always brings up, she's like, we should remake re- Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like That would actually be funny. She, She and I have, she, I just love that it's such a fucking absurd movie. It's so, it's so absurd. And, and when, when Steve Martin goes off on John Candy in the hotel room, that part to me is the genius of the movie. It's kind of the genius of any John Hughes movie, but it's the genius of the movie where you, Steve Martin is laying into John Candy. All of the things yeah. crushing him, all of the things that you know, like he goes on and on and on, and you're laughing your ass off. And John Candy is also simultaneously making you just ripping your heart out. So it's these like this, this, it gives you a, it gives you this dichot this feeling of a dichotomy when you're watching a movie. That is so funny. I'm having such a blast listening to Steve Martin rip into somebody and I'm watching John Candy rip my heart out yeah. at the same time. And that that type of thing for me, and then it's always been the holidays so it's like one of those holiday movies where you're constantly you know, you gotta watch Planes, Trains and Automobiles. But I, yeah, I mean there's there's a lot about that movie it, it's That It gives me comfort.
0: No, it, it makes sense, everything you're saying. I mean, for context, for folks that, that are rusty on their planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, came out Thanksgiving in 87, 1987, of course, written and directed by John Hughes. You mentioned, of course, it's, it's anchored by Steve Martin and John Candy. Uh, first, just, to, I mean, I, I looked up, like, you know, we all know the John Hughes filmography, but, like, to look at, like, this specific time period for him. So check this out. From 1984 to 1987, leading into this movie. This is what he mm-hmm. did. This is a pretty small period of time. Right. He directed 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off leading into this movie in those four years. Also in that time, he wrote Pretty in Pink and Some Kind
1: of Wonderful. That's so crazy. Like in a you know four- what's so crazy about that now? it's such, This is, again, I don't know what, how this has changed or what's changed or this is the corporate structure versus whatever that studio system was that they were in then. You can't do, you couldn't do that now. Like no director is doing that now in three no. or four years, making those, making those kind of movies back to back to back.
0: The machine writing, doesn't move that quickly now.
1: Yeah. The machine doesn't move that fast. Cause everyone's got to have like a perfect answer for how am I going to sell this or how am I going to, and it, it poses an interesting question where, where it's really like, well, where does this, where are we going with this? How does this work? Because if you can't get the reps, and like the Roger Corbin uh you know school of movie making. Yeah. They got raps You know, you made 30, 40, 50 movies. You're gonna make 30, 40, 50 movies, you're gonna end up being a pretty good filmmaker at some point, or to right. make something interesting. And if you're any good at all, you're really gonna be good because you're make, you're doing it, you're working, you're make, you're not just in your head thinking about it, thinking that you're a genius. And and, you know, then when it comes out, it's like you're, you know, it's, it's it's amazing that they could make these movies that quickly.
0: Also amazing. He, I mean, I, I think I'd heard this before, but apparently he was some kind of savant in terms of writing. Like he would, these these writing outbursts would come out of him. He, he, I don't know if this is, you know, hyperbole or not, but supposedly he wrote this script, 145 page script, by the way, in about three days or five days, depending on what you read. So I don't know if he was on something or what was going on, <laughs> but he, something, yeah was in a fertile creative period in this time. Adderall had
1: just come in. The, 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 yeah, the invention of Adderall coincided with exactly. those yeah.
0: four movies. Yeah, it, it, might, it might not be a surprise that it was kind of all confined to like a 10-year period for, for John Hughes, who, who left us too soon. Um, mm. There's, of course, been talk about remakes along the, along the way. I mean, uh, even as recent as last year, there was talk of, sorry, not you and your wife, but Will Smith and Kevin Hart are potentially... Doing a reading. and It's like the same. We're yeah. the same. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> you two go into the same audition room they go into.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, you guys are here too? Oh, yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough choice.
0: Exactly. Uh, good idea or bad idea? I mean, we love Will Smith and Kevin Hart, but is this a bad idea to, to give this another shot, you think? Or, I mean, everything is fair game
1: for reading. Everything is kind of a bad idea, in my opinion, to give another shot. <laughs> yeah. But you know it's like now. look is it a good idea for a company to make money and could it be <laughs> funny like yes of course it could be but it's never if you're ever going to go to that movie thinking like I'm going to have the same feeling like I had when John Candy and Steve Martin it's like that's not that's totally you're in totally different time period's different world yeah. I'd rather them see personally I'd rather see a planes, trains, and automobiles type movie. Exactly. Yeah. Starring Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I want to do something. Show, show me something different. A, just a plot that's somewhat. There's lots of planes, trains, and automobiles. You know, like it,
0: it's get into the Greek that... is a
1: planes, trains, and yes. automobiles movie. Yes. But it, but you know, there's tons of them. But but when they remit, they take these like big pieces of IP because they know they can, they can sell them. It's like I don't know. Okay, fine. It's going to be. No one's going to remember it. Exactly.
0: That's the weird thing is like it probably works in the room to sell it and to get it going. But in in reality, it's like old people like you and me that care. But like 15 and 20 year olds, frankly, don't don't,
1: they don't care. And by the way, if it's amazing and super funny, then we're both stupid idiots and are wrong. You know,
0: right. No, that's fair, too.
1: (laughs) So it's like so it's like, hey, if you go make a great movie, it doesn't matter what you do. You can go make remake Citizen Kane. If it's fucking amazing, then it's amazing. You know, it's like go. Give it your best shot.
0: Do, do you do you wrestle with it? And it seems like you have a good attitude about the whole thing. In terms of like you were obviously very cognizant of the the odd circumstances in which you you were born. I mean, we're all we all we're you know odd circumstances, but yours are, is a little bit more of a public one. But I guess in terms of wrestling with your acting choices, like I would think there are impulses for casting directors to put you in the kinds oh, of yeah, all the time associated with your dad. Do you feel like a, a, a you know, an impulse to go in another direction, or are you now like enough into your career where you can kind of do the Kurt Russell type of performance, if there is one? In a, you know what I mean? Like that must- yeah,
1: I think this is how just stupid the whole <laughs> business is, or the, I don't want to say that. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I guess I I guess I did so too, <laughs> but the like when I first started, right everybody had this preconceived notion of what i was supposed to be like yeah i look like my dad i played professional sports uh my dad was an action star whatever yeah so then i'd go in and they'd go i'd do the other thing we love it it's so great we just don't think that we just don't think that he can be vulnerable that was a note i got a lot right like vulnerability like i don't know it's the vulnerability aspect of it that's like you just can't and uh, I was like, okay, I'm just getting this note that I can't be vulnerable a lot. I don't think that's a quality that I exude non-vulnerability or some sort of person that can't can't be vulnerable. But I okay, that's what their that's what the the zeitgeist is giving me. So what should I do? So I started doing this thing again. This is tricks of auditioning. It's not acting. <laughs> I I started looking down and not making eye contact with the casting directors. Or the people. So I'd like look down and say my lines like, and I'd look away. I wouldn't make eye contact. Great. They loved it, right? Okay, so now you get some of these parts. He's so parts. mysterious. He won't even, we can't connect we with won't him. Even look we love it. it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, great. So I got some parts. I get some parts as vulnerable people. And I think it's important to like, you know, you have to be able That's that's a human emotion that as an actor, you need to be able to portray, right? Vulnerability. It should be in the color um, palette, yeah. That has to be there. And and so I started doing that. Then, couple of th- that goes that goes by. Do I don't know how many movies, three or four movies or shows, or whatever that like I play sort of a vulnerable guy because I was able to get the part. Then, then I come back to do the stuff that I wasn't right for because or that I wasn't getting because I was whatever. And they're they're going, yeah, it's just I don't know if you can you know get it. Like he's like. the the vulnerability it's just kind of too much like I don't know if you can like get it to the point where I'm like what the fuck like these people are all crazy they're all like have preconceived notions of what I'm supposed to be everything's their brains are all jumbled because they think they already know me and and they don't They have no idea also I don't have like Instagram I wasn't a public person I'm not a public person I'm just and I always wanted to just be an actor I liked falling into different things and people i love when people are like you're that guy from holy shit i didn't know that that that's what's fun so that part of it did weirdly work against me and then work for me in certain like it works for you where you get to go in the room then it works against you and they're like but you're supposed to be like this and you're like but i'm fucking not like that (laughs) so (laughs) i i don't know how to change it for you unless you Unless I get a part, and then you can see me as whatever you want to see me as after you think that I'm like the person that I am in the movie, you idiot. You know, <laughs> like, that's that's like what it was for for a while. And I and and it, I don't mean to be like me. You know, I don't want to be like that. I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that I've been able to get. But at times you're like, how can you? How can you be so? You know, whatever. So um, that that aspect of it was you know, a little bit frustrating. And then I got to the point where I had done enough good stuff and enough people had said like, oh, we really liked you in this or Lodge 49 was a really different show. I'd done enough different things that were of my sensibility. You know, Lodge 49 is very me. Like that's very my sensibility. It's not me as a person at all. I'm not dud, but the way Jim Gavin wrote, Mm -hmm. the way he, the way he, he he interacts characters the world creates that's very my sensibility it was very unique i'd never seen another show on tv like it and i'll stay, stand by that now it's one of the uh, i'm so proud of it because it was i read it and i was like no one's putting this on tv and then they did and it was i got to do it i felt so lucky um and so at this point now i'm just kind of like i'm 30 34 years old almost 35 you know it's one of the benefits of having kids it's like I don't give a fuck what you think at this point. Like, I really don't care. I'm just going to do the best that I can with the things that I like doing it. If you think that I'm like my dad, it's like, great. He's a great actor. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you just you keep doing it and keep plugging down the road and things kind of like pan out as they pan out, you know? And I'm try to force somebody's opinion of what I'm supposed to be like. So, so, so let's, let's put
0: a bow on this becoming full circle on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, we, as we speak, um, second episode about to drop uh we saw a little bit of a tease i saw your chin
1: peeking out of a captain america costume that's about it in the first yeah. episode. <laughs> there was the fucking best shit i don't have twitter or anything like that but i have friends obviously my friend a bunch of friends do and one of my friends sent me a picture of uh you've got to have if you've, if, you've look, if you have twitter and looked it up you probably would have seen it it's a picture of of uh, me and the the helmet and the helmet was always this thing and I was like I fucking kind of hate the helmet you know like (laughs) it's like I just it's like ah god I gotta act with this thing on and and it seems awkward and you know you're trying to and then and then and then you get used to it as as you get in but I came out with that helmet on and you're trying to be the guy and do everything like okay cut end of the day and I go home you think god do I look fucking stupid like what do I look like I don't want to look at myself in the mirror because I think I look stupid, so. And, and someone on Twitter, a genius, some fucking genius on Twitter, linked that photo of me in the Captain America helmet with the, guy, the old man from Up wearing the, <laughs> the Captain America helmet. And it is unbelievable. It is so spot on. It's like, I don't think I look like the guy from mm. Up, but from that angle and what it looked like, it was like, oh my God. It was it, whoever did that should win an award. <laughs> like, peek into your future. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, also one of my favorite comfort movies. Perfect. Um, you don't cry in the first 20 minutes of that movie. Yeah, you, have you, have no, soul. you have no soul. Exactly. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so um, what what's to come? What te- tease me a little bit on what's to come for your character? I mean, you can't make a Falcon and Winter Soldier show with a new Captain America without some some conflict and some action. So uh, you mentioned the stunts, you mentioned the scale. Um, did this feel like just making like a, a ginormous movie? You're running around the world. Give me a sense of.
1: Um, it just felt like, I, yeah. I mean, it felt the biggest one for me was the stunts. Like the stunts, it is real deal. Those guys are make half the movie in my opinion. They are unbelievable. They make you look so great. And you do as much as you can, but you can only do so much, you know. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever really done anything on that scale. So that was the scale of things that was, I was not used to. Right. Uh, the kind of preparation that it took to, to make a Marvel movie. The, the, the flying around and doing all that stuff was great. We did a lot of it in Atlanta, uh, shut down for the, for the pandemic, went, went to Prague, um, it was, it was, uh, it was great that way, but it wasn't, um, anything out of the, out of the ordinary. The, the thing that really stood out to me was the stunt performers and how unbelievable they were I and mean, really incredible. So are you excited to see sort of how
0: cool you look in the, in the finished product of, uh, when you're running around with a shield and doing <laughs> yeah, God
1: knows what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to, I, 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 I'm torn on watching it to be honest. I, I, I I don't. I had a bad experience a little while ago just watching myself, Where I used to be okay with it, and then something happened. And I was like, fuck It's like so, so self loathing oh, no. came in. Not on March 49, thing. was it a, just a no, specific no, no, performance? No, no, just it like a a... no. it was a different. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, just, yeah. I, It was something I just didn't, was, I realized while I was watching it, I'm like, this isn't good for me. Like, I, yeah, I'm not learning anything about myself. I'm not learning what I should do or what I shouldn't do like when this is not what this isn't helping me and and so I don't know if uh I'm gonna well I'll just take people's opinion because it's honestly better than my opinion it's I've realized that I'm like well if if everybody likes it then it's probably good If everybody doesn't like it, then it's probably bad.
0: Wait, I thought I thought if we learn nothing else from this, this is all—it's all for yourself. Don't please others. That's what I mean. You're a walking contradiction,
1: life. No, that's what I—no, what I mean is that I don't want to have to—I don't even want to have to judge myself. I just want to go do it. And if everybody thinks it's bad, then I guess it was bad. (laughs) If everybody thinks it was good, then I guess it was good. I mean, it doesn't. It shouldn't have any bearing on how I feel about what I do. That's what I, that's what I, I mean. See. It's like, and, and all of the time I spend watching myself, you start, you can't help but judge yourself. If you don't judge yourself, then I think you're a robot. You know, it's like, and I thought, I'm pretty good at not judging myself too harshly and trying to see the bigger picture of what movie was good or all that kind of stuff. If it worked out, um, I'll probably end up watching it, you know, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like after that like five minute like model you're like eh, right, no, yeah I'll fuck it. it i'm gonna go watch it right
0: now <laughs> um i'll let you go watch your own show i'll let you go take care of your your new baby i appreciate oh, the multitasking and this in this what must be an exciting but uh you know a lot going on in in your household right now and it's it's been really wow. fun to, to get to know you man i really appreciate the time
1: Yeah, good to know you too, Josh, and I'll uh, see you on the next one. Yeah, exactly. All right, have a good one. (laughs) Okay, you too.
0: And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't (laughs) supposed to do this by Josh.